talk about. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. We're live. Hello. Live. Live from the uh, couch in. Where should I say we're Couch at? in our living room. <laughs> this is the Media Boat Podcast. Media Boat Podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast that talks about the media. Not like the news media, but like specifically movies, television, music, and video games. This is the real media, too. Not necessarily in that order, but we do talk about all of those things. This is real media, not that fake media. Yeah, it's all f- real media. news here yes, on we, media we don't deal podcast. in rumors. We deal in cold hard cash. Yes. And so, facts. <laughs> so get, so send us uh, envelopes full of money. Don't actually do that. Or, send it, or you can become a Patreon. At uh, Patreon, media boat, look it up, something. Yeah, but we'll get to right? that at the end of the show. Oh. For now, let's start the show like we always start the show. Let's talk about... Ourselves. I'm Mike, he's Matt. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm Matt, he's Mike. Um, but also, what we talk about at the top of the show, every time, always, is the box office. Always. So what do we got box office for the last weekend? This, well, this past let's put some, some box office. What was our number right one movie? Number one movie was by a slim margin, The Dark Tower. So yes, it's Stephen King's Idris Elba's The Dark Tower. Yeah. Wow. That, uh, I mean, it, I would you say that it did badly, but if you look at everybody this week, this was the slowest week of the summer yet. Uh, yeah. So I know they saw movies. Not really, but also this thing was number one by 19 million. Compare that to number two, Dunkirk, at 17 million. Yeah. So only two million difference. Every one and two this weekend. It was a narrow, narrow gap. Yep. That being said, that's still a win for Sony. But If you want to call it that. But it's only scratching the surface of that budget. That's a $60 million budget. They're only halfway there. So we'll see. It Do you even know where halfway great. is on that thing? I halfway is thirty million. It made nineteen million. I mean worldwide. Oh yeah, we're totally worldwide right now. It's sitting at about thirty. That's oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. So ultimately, given another week, it'll crawl and maybe make its money back, but we'll see. No, no, no. It'll maybe make budget. Yeah. In order to make money, it's got to go <laughs> budget budget plus fifty. Right. So that's not gonna happen. No. Well. Dark Tower will be at another failed experiment over at the Sony camp. Yep. Speaking of failed experiments for Sony, uh, let's go over the rest of this top five. Yep. Uh, number two was Dunkirk with $17 million, a 35% drop from last week, but it hit $133 million. Yeah. So, yeah, that thing's good. Good, good job, Christopher Nolan. You got another hit on your hands. Yeah. Uh, number three was the Emoji Movie with $12 million. Yeah. 51% drop, $49 million total on a 50 budget. So that's not going to get close either. No. That won't get close to, to turning a profit. No. It may break even in total overall. Yeah. But that's only because it had a 50 budget. Right. It's, it's cheap. cheap cheap to make. Uh, number four was Girls Trip with $11 million, a 42% drop from last week. And that making on the other money. side is making a lot of money. Yeah, that thing's got $85 million on a $19 million budget. Yeah. I think it's in the I think it's, uh, in the black. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, that uh, we have uh, kidnap. Right. The Halle Berry. T- trust us, this isn't taken. And trust <laughs> me, this isn't uh, that phone call movie. Yeah. 
So, um, yes, you did. I guess here's our opportunity. So, you've seen the Dark Tower. Do you want to talk about the Dark Tower? Yes. Um, if you want to read all my thoughts on the Dark Tower, go to our website, mediaboatpodcast.com. This is true. Where you can check out our thoughts on the Dark Tower, as well as uh, Detroit. I saw Detroit also put that up as well. Right. Did not uh, chart this week. Uh, but uh, yes, that it is did also get a wider out. release. However, it didn't chart. It was still yeah. only came in a sixth. I think we still had a thousand plus uh, increase in ticket sales. Okay. Because it went wide. Well, uh, we can so, talk yeah. about a Detroit as well, but let's talk about Dark Tower first. Ooh, Dark Tower. Where do I begin with you? Let's, let's start with the casting. Okay. Um, Idris Elba is a total yes. Great call. Yeah. Then there's like a huge gap. To for like the level of like star power that they bring to this thing, and then there's like Matthew McConaughey, and then just falls off from there mm. to basically, I guess if you want to call him a star, uh, <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> sure. At this point, why not? I mean, at this point, he's known as he's a character actor. You see yeah. him in the background a lot. Yeah. He's always a supporting character, but. She didn't really have that much to play in this thing. And I was disappointed. Yeah. When I saw him come up, I was like, ooh, you should be good. You're a badass. But. But it didn't really turn out that way. <laughs> um, yeah, then everything just falls off from there. So, in terms of casting this thing, eh. In terms of writing it, super meh. <laughs> Okay, is it bad? Like, like d- define super meh. Uh, it's well. So, Dark Tower is written by Stephen King. Stephen King's written a lot of horror stuff. Which yeah, is, this is mainly his but venture this, yeah, into this was more his fantasy sci-fi stuff, right? fantasy. Yeah. Um, he shouldn't. I don't. I don't want to give Dark Tower a bad name because I know it's a really good book series, but. Dang. It seems like the, the, the internet the, consensus seems to be the first four books in the series apparently are really good. Okay. But when you get five, six, seven, apparently things start to drag. All right. And from what I understand is the movie suffers from the classic problem of adapting a work, which is that you just don't have time to explain everything. Yes, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, they tried to explain a lot of it. But he just almost doesn't give good backstory. Yeah. He's not a good expositionist. He's no Morgan Freeman <laughs> when it comes to these things. Sure, but uh, let's give credit to the actual screenwriters here, because I don't think Stephen King was involved. Yes, apparently <laughs> Stephen King was not involved, nor was he even consulted no. on this movie. Probably, yeah, and it probably shows. Yeah, it shows a lot. Um... So, I mean, is it any fun? Should people uh, see this if they need something to kill some time? Like, how bad is it? Like, is it you should not see this movie? Or is it just they could have done a lot better? The uh, story could have been a lot better, and the CGI could have been a lot less. Okay. I don't know if that clears up anything. So Sony hasn't learned anything from Ghostbusters? No. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's disappointing. Mm, oh, well. Yeah. It's well, not only that, but it feels like they're all uh, they seem to be following um, Warner Brothers with uh, over CGI, like Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, and Wonder Woman. Well, that's the thing, though, is because that 
there was a lot of potential going into this thing. Yeah. And it feels like it kind of fell by the wayside had they tried to Hollywoodize it. And it could have easily been a franchise for them if they hadn't screwed it up. Yes. So, yeah, that's disappointing. It's, super, it's a super disappointing movie. Um, that being said, check it out on HBO. <laughs> that's a wait Netflix. for home release. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're a City King fan, go ahead and buy the Blu-ray version. But it's not something that you'd want to see in your collection. We should have a go see it. Uh, go see it. Like we need three things, so we have like the bottom is wait for streaming. Wait for so let's just shorten that to streaming. Yeah. Then uh, we need a middle tier, and then of course the top tier is go see it. Oh, so so it's a go. It's a go see it. Oh, dollar, dollar theater. theater. There it is. And and wait wait for streaming. Okay, so dollar theater. That's what we should do from now on with our <laughs> movies. I think it just to determine which one it is. Oh, is this is a, wait for streaming. Go see it. Dollar Theater, wait for streaming. This, this is, is a definitely wait for, wait for streaming. Yes. All right. Uh, well, compared to Dunkirk, which was a go see it. Okay, to, let's uh, talk about uh, Detroit. Oh, the Detroit. It sounds like it is not a wait to stream movie, but we'll wait, of course, till the end. Tell me about Detroit. Detroit's an interesting movie. I mean, the state. No, I, I, I mean, the state. The state, the state of Detroit? Of, <laughs> the, state. the state of Detroit is constant panic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You turned that around. You turned my mistake around. I know what kind of mistake you're trying to make. I mean the city of Detroit, but sure. Tell me about the movie Detroit, directed by none other than the Hurt Locker's Catherine Bigelow. Yes, and former wife of James Cameron. Sure. That's right. We can go there, but also she is a director. No, she's a very competent director. Yes. Isn't she award-winning too? She, uh, did she win the Oscar? I don't remember if she won. She was nominated. Right. I believe she did. I know her locker won. For her locker. I believe right? so. I know her locker won for best. Did it win for best movie? Oh, that was the artist. Her locker lost best picture. I think they. I think she got. I think she got the director on it though. I think she did. Yeah. Because I don't think it was Jer or whatever the the, the artist guy. I don't think he won. Jer Dubardin. I could no. <laughs> the guy who directed it. <laughs> oh. I couldn't. I could totally be wrong. Yeah. We could, we could be off by a couple of years. Not there. that it matters that whether she won or lost an Oscar. What matters is she made some good movies. Yes. I liked both Sutter Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Right. If you, if you like so let me put it this way. If you like those two movies, you'll like Detroit. Okay, so so let's help talk about Detroit. Alright, so what Catherine Bigelow does good or does well is that she puts a lot of dramatic tension into what doesn't seem like very dramatic sure. roles. Good ratcheting it up. Yes. She's good she's good at giving you all that mustard, all that umph and all that emotional drama. Give me all that, that mustard. Hold the mayo. Without Give me all that mustard. She makes everything seem big and confluential. Mm-hmm. Influential. Com- influential conflict. Sure. I just combined those words. <laughs> and it's really well done and it holds your attention um, confluential confluential okay that being said um, uh-huh. this movie's not very high action there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of build up but I also feel like the payoff isn't there but that could also be because it's based off a true story of the of what happened at the Algiers Hotel in July 22nd 1976 right it's based off a true story. Yeah. But because there were no cameras, it, this is this story is based off of 
eyewitness testimony, stuff that was said in court, that stuff that was said in books, right. and other other multimedia outlets, you know, like interviews, press conferences, stuff like that. So they had to piece together this story and basically build off of that. That being said, the char- the story doesn't really get going to about 30 minutes into the movie. So sure. there's this huge like opening gap of where you're basically wondering, like, where's this going? Where's my main characters? Is there anyone I'm supposed to root for? <laughs> Which I guess the answer ends up being yes and no. Because while you're still rooting for survival, there's still this part of, well, you guys are just in a bad situation. An unfortunate situation. Sure. You could say. So, by that by that statement, it adds, that that's where your drama comes from. It's just people in unfortunate situations and some people just being straight up assholes. <laughs> and racism is just purely up front in this thing. Like I said, it's in the 1960s. It's just racism is just right up in your face everywhere you turn in this film. There's no going around it. That being said, I like the way that this film doesn't end. Sure. Where where you think it's going to end, it actually doesn't and continues on and it gives you the aftermath and shows you that things like this don't take, don't just immediately end all of a sudden everything's better. That it, it goes on and on and on and sometimes it doesn't give you an end. Yeah. So so that seemed to work tonally. Yeah, tonally it yeah. worked. Especially uh, given the circumstances of what this movie is about. Yeah. The, the thing that's going on. So by that, by everything I said, it's definitely a good movie. But it's not something that I would necessarily like recommend you go see on a Friday night. So, so the problem, it sounds like what you're getting at here is that this is a, a movie released in summer, but it is in no way a summer movie. Yes. <laughs> so this, this set feels more like a something that should come out in November. Yeah. While Dunkirk is something, I don't know, I keep comparing to Dunkirk because it's a new release. Right. But while that's, uh, while that's a movie that came out in the summer, but has a summer blockbuster feel. Sure. This movie doesn't have that feel, but because they're on the summer. Because, yeah, they're two different things. I mean, consider, yeah. like, as much uh, critical acclaim that as Christopher Nolan gets, let's be real. Let's be serious about something. He still makes popcorn movies. Yes. You know, Inception and Interstellar, sure, they had a little bit of the uh, high, high artsy concept. pretense to it. They had the, the fancy cinematography. But at the same time, those are... High concept versions of a blockbuster. Yes. Both of them are. And sounds like so is Dunkirk. Yes. It's a high concept blockbuster. Whereas Detroit is very much in the same vein a real of Kurt Locker. Of, yeah, it's a real dead personal story. Historical drama. Yeah. It's It knows what it is. It's not trying to be bombastic. It's not trying to be something it's not. So do you think that they made a poor choice releasing it now? I well, really think that they might. They might have, but then again, this is Annapurna Pictures. Sure. So they've they put out some really good stuff recently. I mean, yeah. Granted, last year they put out um, Ex Machina at the exact same time. You know what it reminds me of, uh, release wise, um, a couple of award cycles now ago, uh, Joy, starring. Uh, uh, but that was was that a late release? So no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's starring... It was uh, starring uh, uh, Jen- Jen- Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. It was like 
beginning of the year, like February or March or something. Okay. Um, yeah, and I remember it being super shocked when Jennifer Lawrence got the actress nom anyways at the end of the year. Because I thought there was no way. I thought that the, everybody was going to forget that movie it was ever made. Hmm. But Annapurna. Yeah. So I guess that they can lobby when they need to. That being said, I would, yeah, I feel for Catherine Bigelow kind of having her, you know, tentpole movie kind of coming out at the wrong time. Outside of award season, outside of when people are talking about that kind of film. Yeah. Because had that thing come out in January? Yeah. Yeah, you could definitely get Oscar buzz behind yeah. it easily. And, yeah, but this thing, it's it's gotten, it, and it got buried uh, uh, marketing-wise, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't start seeing regular ads for this thing until the day before it came out. And even then, the ads don't really tell you what it is, no. except Detroit. I mean, like, going into it, I didn't even know that it was about the 1960s. Yeah. I didn't know. No. Or uh, 70s. Yeah, 70s, case. yeah. But yeah, still, it's like, there's no clear, des- like, like, yeah, there was no clear uh, marketing about what this was. And it didn't right, do and the whole I also think that's going to have trouble finding an audience outside yeah. of um, indie films. People who are already predisposed to go seek it out. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's disappointing in that way, but it sounds like it's a good movie. So, uh, yeah. does this, what is this rate on the scale? Uh... Dollar Theater. I mean, it's, it's, not yeah. a, it's not a rush out and go see it, but definitely give it a chance. Put it on your checklist for the year? Yeah, give it a chance. Yeah. It's definitely one of the better movies made this year. Okay, good. I'm glad uh, she still, she's still got it. I just wish um, I just wish it had come out in a more prime time slot. Yeah, in a more optimal situation yeah. for people to go see this movie. Yeah, it's a pity. Yeah, because by the time this thing hits Blu-ray, it'll be December. That is true. So, what have we got this week? All right, so uh, uh, yeah, so that gives us our goes into movie runs, stories. Uh, actually, not quite. It runs into new releases. Oh yeah, new releases. We can talk about next week's race. All right. So first up, we have uh, our first horror movie coming up here. Uh, you mean first in a while? Yes. Because I'm sure that they never really stop these days. You're right. So successful. Yes, because we got the Emoji Movie. <laughs> the, the most horrendous of them all. Yes. Why you subject someone to that kind of torture, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, the fact that people take their kids to see that, I mean... Yeah. Ugh. So, uh, first up, we have Annabelle Creation. Is this a sequel to that movie, Annabelle? Yes, which is a spin-off doll. of The Conjuring. Because it's all about the creepy doll. Yes, creepy doll. Creepy doll being creepy yet again. Yep. And then we also have The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. Oh. This is your kids' movie for the weekend. Well, kids' movie. Why? Quote. Because Nutty by Nature? With the name The Nut Job. Yeah? You never know. Okay. <laughs> and then lastly, we have The Glass Castle. Okay. This is your indie art house movie starring. Uh, Brie Larson and Woody Harrelson. Okay. And by all intents and purposes, it looks good. It's interesting. It's about a group of kids who their dad constantly moved around, so he raised girls. He had to homeschool them. Okay. And then when they grow up, 
the dad gets sick and some of them come decide to come back, some of them not because they either resent him from living that kind of life and not really getting a full life experience yeah. as kids, or they accept it because they have they now are successful because of said results. Okay. So it's an interesting concept. Sure. Um, I think it's based off a book. I'm pretty sure it's based off a book. I'm going to go with that it's based off a book. Yeah. It's called The Glass Castle. Um, check it out. Not to be confused with The Castle of Glass, which is completely different. Right. That's a song by Linkin Park. <laughs> Two different things. Yes. And uh, uh, don't don't throw rocks at it. Right? Well, no. It's stones. Stones. Yes, yeah, stones. Don't throw them at them or while you're inside. Okay, say, so, uh, what do you think is our number one next week? I'm going to go with the horror movie over the kids movie. I think you're right. I think that it's, it's been a while since we've had a horror movie. It's been a while. I think that The Conjuring itself is a well-established franchise at this point. I think Annabelle did yeah. well, if I remember correctly, and last time. also, we probably don't think Dark Tower is going to... Hold over. No. Hold over. One, that thing won't hold over. And two... The Nut Job 2, Nighty by Nature, is such an offbeat title that... (laughs) It has no chance. It's also uh, distributed by such a small company that's a freaking, yeah, nothing movie. It's a nothing movie. Won't do anything. Yep. Okay, so that's your next week. Let's roll right into... So so we're going to go with uh, Annabelle then? Yeah, let's go with Annabelle. All right. We need a number. We don't need a number. All right, let's (laughs) move on. It's going to be another slow week, so get ready. Yep. But what isn't slow is our news, and what isn't slow is Baby Driver. Why is Baby Driver in our news this week? Uh, Because he's not slow. He's not slow. Is he slow? No. No. Want to make a remix of that? (laughs) (laughs) Because they've done that. Is he slow? Uh, so uh, tell me about Baby Driver. Uh, Baby Driver apparently not slow because it went a little too fast for for some taste. Okay. In terms of getting its music. Oh right. Yeah. I heard about this. So Baby Driver is coming into a lawsuit uh, from Roland Feld, son of T Rex band frontman Mark Boland, for use of their song Deborah. Sorry, Deborah. Right, which is a uh, plot point in that movie. Yeah. It's- it sounded like something you could easily uh, replace in that movie. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not as... That song specifically is not as, um, let's say, focused on as most of the soundtrack is in that movie. Right. It is something that is kind of just tossed in there as a reference. Uh, that being said, you need to have clearance for that movie, for that song, for that thing to work for that bit in the movie to work so um, I'm actually kind of surprised by this considering that Edgar Wright on Twitter made it a point to thank the guy um, on the team who was responsible for clearing all the music well let me get to that part alright so uh, so many pictures failed to clear the use of the song Uh, so three years ago Roland won a lawsuit that gave him the rights to 144 works by leveraging an old rule vesting rights to an author's heirs when the okay. author dies to the initial copyright term. Got it. So the defendants, uh, in this case Sony, failed to obtain or even seek the permission of the composition's U.S. copyright holder, Roland Feld. They didn't know he had it. Because they didn't know he had it. Got it. And in the six weeks since, Feld brought this <laughs> infringement to defendant Sony's attention. They've done little more than point fingers at one another and have neither apologized nor offered to pay Feld a reasonable licensing fee. Ugh. 
A representative of Sony Music contacted Feld's lawyer requesting a license for the movie's soundtrack, but promptly informed Sony that the use of uh, the composition in Baby Driver was unauthorized, and Sony has now ceased communications. This was after the movie had already came out. Right. Uh, Feld is seeking dis- disgorgement of profits and punitive damages, and is also demanding an order that Sony be permanently enjoined from engaging in improper exploitation. <laughs> Not sure what that means. I think that's a fancy way of saying that they need to write in their what or like build into their system about how they clear music yeah. to include the rule about this because apparently they were unaware it existed. Right, because even though someone may own the yeah. rights to the song, they need to find, to find out, out who owns the actual like. They need to follow the paper rights. trail up until 2017, not right before, because it sounded like they maybe didn't get that far. Well, because this is the thing though that Edgar Wright has said and. Talked in one interview that even before the movie was at Sony, yeah, he had quietly started clearing the tracks. Sure, which is probably where it initially started. Like, sure. hey, this 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 uh, company owns the rights, so we're going to ask them for the rights, not knowing that maybe like three or five months later, they're going to lose a lawsuit for that song. So, because, yeah, yeah, because stuff, stuff like that doesn't really make the move. Doesn't moves doesn't really make the news. No, and also it usually doesn't move that fast. I right. mean, we have a lot of the stories that we've had here on this very podcast about music rights are stuff that's been owned by the same people for 20, 30 years. Right. And that's why we report on it because it's big news that music moves at all. Yeah. So something like this is not super common. Um, that being said, I think at this point, Sony should just settle with the dude. Oh, yeah. Because just give them some money. Just just say, hey, we're sorry. This was kind of out of our control. Basically, the people who did the clearing did their jobs. It was just there was this extra thing they didn't know about. And I think that it, there's no harm, no foul. Just give, just show, throw some money at them at this yeah. point. Because it's just easier not to deal with it. Right, because it feels like they're going to lose this in the court case anyway. Yeah. And even if they, and you know, even if they do or they don't, it's still like they could avoid even having this go to trial. Yeah, just settle with them. <laughs> I mean, Baby Driver's already made money for them. Right, just settle. Baby Driver did pretty well. It's their one shining spot of this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they need to. They need to just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Or, so, well, yep. Not cool for that guy. Well, no, not cool for that guy. But, but he'll get his money. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not cool guys, okay, <laughs> that is Sugar Knight. That's Sugar Knight. Yeah, Sugar he's, Knight. he's no, definitely not a cool guy. <laughs> uh, not not lately, especially. Uh, so yes, tell me about Mr. Knight. Well, Mr. Knight is uh, has had some trouble with the law recently, uh, with with the <laughs> L.A. County law, you could say. Uh, I mean, the story of his life, but yes, also recently. Yeah. So, um, he's actually been indicted yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knight, uh, was arraigned in an L.A. courtroom last Thursday for threatening the director of Straight Out of Compton, F. Gary Gray. Yeah. Um, he was allegedly unhappy with his portrayal in the film and threatened Gray via text messages in August of 2014. He is currently awaiting trial for the murder in connection with a hit-and-run 
That's on night pull up to a Compton uh, burger stand in January 2015 and then fled after a brief conflict, running over and killing Terry Carter and injuring uh, Claybone Sloan. Yeah. So while he was already on the stand for that, he's already he's going to be already pushed back into the courtroom for his threatening for his threats against the director. And yet he says that he was wrongly portrayed in the film as being like a bully. You know, <laughs> it's tough being famous, I'm sure. But yeah, there's no excuse. Yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's messed up a lot of times. I think it's a little unfair to be, yeah, for him to be like on trial for literal murder. And then for him to be like trying to distract, like, hey, but but he made a movie that told the truth about me. <laughs> yeah, it's but you also tried look. to threaten him. Yeah, it's not a good look at all. <laughs> no, he he's just not a good look. It's just we're just throwing that in the there. Poor guy. I mean, he like it's even it was interesting to see at the end of that uh, the Dr. Dre uh, Jim, Jimmy Iovine uh, uh, the, the the defiant ones the defiant ones. The literal one of the last things on that thing they talk about is freaking Shug Knight running over the, that guy. Yeah, and, and like, like, and it's just Doctor Dre has been like, man, I, like we were get, we were all doing so well, and then he has to go back and do this stuff. I thought we were done with this stuff. <laughs> it's like if Doctor Dre is saying that about yeah. you, that's a bad look. So yeah, hopefully, man, I don't even know at this point with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk someone good. Who's that? That is John Favreau. Oh, okay. Um, reason he's up here is because he's getting an award. He's being honored by the VS, or sorry, Victoria's Secret. No, no, VS. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Victoria's Extra Secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the back of the store that they don't show you behind the velvet rope. Yes, where, where they show you the back. Yeah. In the front. Of the store. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, John Favreau will be, be the next recipient of okay. the Visual Effects Society Lifetime Achievement Award. Ahead. In recognition for his valu- valuable contributions to filmed entertainment. <laughs> filmed entertainment. Specifically filmed entertainment. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, this comes after uh, just after last year's film, The Jungle Book, right? Which won five awards at, two years ago. at uh, VES Awards. Wasn't it? Uh, no, no, that was last year. This is that been, was March of last year. This has been literally the longest year <laughs> ever. Summer is somehow slowed down. I, I don't understand. Anyways, so yes, Jungle Book because yes, he made yeah. Some strides. Well, yeah. At least he uh, it, well, it, I mean, Jungle Book won the top honor for best photo reel feature I mean, at the VES Awards. Let, let's pause for a second here. I don't want to give John Favreau a whole lot of credit here. Obviously, the effects company from were from the talented animators and modelers who right. worked on the actual visual effects in the Jungle Book. Jungle Book. I just want to make clear that. I, here at the Media Vote Podcast, do not necessarily want to just credit John Favreau and that it was him and his team of animators. Yes. Okay, but here, these guys are cre- choosing to credit him. Right. Okay. Um, other 
uh, previous winners include James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, okay. Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, Robert Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, and others. So it just sounds like they give uh, they give credit to the people who give money to make these things happen. Just directors and producers, it seems. <clears throat> kind of. Uh, he'll be honored February 13th, 2018, at the Beverly Hilton Hotel during the 16th Annual Visual Effects Society Awards. Cool. So congratulations, John Favreau. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. realistic. I mean, like yeah. I said, that, that should be a category in the actual Oscars? Yeah, I, I still don't agree with you there. Uh, we have to we have to differentiate that in animation somehow. Uh, no, we don't. That'll just become animation. I'll just become animation. I think all of the animation will just be, you know, see the thing. A good example, a good uh, metaphor here, or I guess comparison, not really a metaphor, is video games. So, video game websites used to have for when they did like end of the year awards, mm-hmm. they used to have to break down. 3D and 2D games into different categories because people thought that oh well we can't just say best graphics because best graphics could be a 3D game and a 2D game they're so wildly different Right. so what a lot of websites started to do instead was what about just best visuals like what about and then that just further kept evolving so ultimately what we're getting to is a point where we don't need to differentiate between types of animation anymore. Mm-hmm. We can just say what is the highest quality or what is the best looking of all these different styles. And yes, you do have to have conversations about are we giving this for best looking or are we giving this for like best like technology involved? You do have to have that conversation. But I think that ultimately anything separating the two categories is really splitting hairs. Because I think one person can make... If you make a solid enough argument for the Jungle Book is more impressive than Moana, then I'll listen. But I don't think that those two things should be in different categories. That's my my, my opinion. <laughs> well, you have your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> to our, our final story okay. of uh, the movie cycle here. Okay. Uh, that there is Thomas Schlam, Schlame, Schlammy, Schlammy, Schlammy. Tommy Salami. Yeah, so Tommy Salami <laughs> is the uh, was elected uh, the new president of the Directors Guild of America. Okay. For a two-year term, uh, Shalami has been uh, on the DGA national board since 2005, and was most recently the third vice president. Uh, also on that list. John Favreau as the fifth vice president. What do you know? Yeah. Uh, he's best known as the TV director and won nine Emmys and three DGA awards uh, when he teamed up with Aaron Sorkin for directing and executive producing The West Wing, Sports Night, and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Okay. Uh, he also has hands in ER, Friends, Spin City, Parenthood, and Murder in the First. So he's, so he's, not so he's been around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been around. Uh, the president The president. It gets a two-year term, and they have to be elected after that. Uh, so far, uh-huh. both presidents have only had two two-year terms. No one has ever done three. Oh, cool. Well, good for him. Yeah. All right. 
then that rolls us right in to the bits. bits. Real quickly on the bits. Bits. Uh, the first image of Josh Brolin as Cable in Deadpool Tool is out now. Yeah. Looks pretty good. Yeah, looks all right. Know, it looks pretty good. All right. Uh, we also, uh, Chris Pratt's got another summer vehicle coming in 2019. It is other than Cowboy Ninja Viking. Yep, Cow- Cowboy Ninja Viking. Which role he'll be playing, I am not sure. I thought it was like a, uh, that this was a continuation of that Doritos bit with Puppy Monkey Baby, but maybe it's not. Or I thought it was going to be Cowboys vs. Aliens continuation, but apparently oh God, not. No. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, and uh, The Last Jedi has exclusive images via Entertainment Weekly, so yep. if you want to get your Star Wars fix, pick up a copy of Entertainment Weekly, or Spoil- just go online. Well, uh, he- heads up, spoiler. Um, if you do look at those pictures, there is one spoiler I'm not even going to even start because I would give it away just by describing what is spoiler spoilery about the pictures, but there is a spoiler in those pictures. Wait, which one? We'll talk after the podcast. I saw the pictures. I don't know which one's spoilery. I'll, we'll talk after the podcast, but yes. All right. There's a spoiler. It's, I mean, a super obvious spoiler, and it's a, like a duh moment, but still. Right. Some people are more sensitive than others. All right. Well, uh, with that, let's move on to television. Yes, let's. And um, uh, we don't have any sports news for you. But, uh, well, besides the fact this is the week one of a football preseason. Yeah, but we mentioned that last week. So, But it's happening now. Okay. Oh, uh, and, uh, yeah, the first episode of Hard Knocks. Yeah, Hard Knocks is out. Um, and also, uh, for those of you who do care, the Little League World Series has started. Yeah. So, get, so if you want to head over to Williamsport, Virginia, or... Do I? Just check out it on your ESPN app. <laughs> so cool. Or streaming service. Yeah, something like that. Oh yeah, but what do we do have in television? Alright, what we do have is news of LeVar Burton. Okay, wait, what? LeVar Burton. Yeah, Reading Rainbow, got it. Yes, Reading Rainbow guy. Uh, well, he's being sued. Okay. By Reading Rainbow. Wait, what? Seriously? <laughs> yes. T- take a look. It's in a book. Give us money. But you have to take my word for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the library. Yes. Uh, right, Reading so, Rainbow, uh, owned by WNED TV Buffalo, is is suing Burton for the continuing use of the tagline. But you don't have to take my word for it, <laughs> as he continuously uses it on his. Podcast Lavar Burton reads. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Is that a trademarked phrase? That's what's in question. Okay. So the suit is the most recent uh, legal move between Burton and the broadcaster, where Burton's company RR Kids had previously obtained a licensing agreement from WNED, which subsequently claimed the former host breached their deal by allegedly attempting to among other things, produce a Reading Rainbow revival for Netflix without WNED's involvement. Right. The lawsuit reads that Mr. Burton's goal is to control and reap the benefits of Reading Rainbow's substantial goodwill, goodwill that unquestionably belongs to WNED. (laughs) Uh... The suit alleges copyright infringement, conversion, cyber-squatting, Violations of the Lanham Act, breach of contract, and interference with customer relations, and seeks profits from LeVar Burton Reads, 
which is described on the podcast as itself, as reading Rainbow for adults. <laughs> but you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny that that is the phrase being argued about because it's very fitting here. Yes. Uh, because you can kind of see on both sides that they both have pretty strong arguments. Right. Like, it sucks, yes, to be the television station that originally aired the program that made your, the made, you know, your star so famous and became such a cult classic, only to see that cult classic kind of become beyond you after a while. Right. And owned by the star as, po- as, as opposed to the original network. I get it. And I understand why they would be suing for goodwill and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That being said, I can also understand from LeVar Burton's point of view that he basically owns that thing at this point. He owns the public consciousness of it. At right, from what I was understanding, that he yeah. acquired either the rights or was in agreement with the company yeah. because he did that whole Kickstarter campaign. It seems like he did, was at least trying to do his due diligence about doing it legally. Yes. He at least made an effort, him and his team, to make it so that this didn't happen. But, again, though, I can see how they feel that like they're out of the loop here, because they kind of are. Yeah. He's basically trying also... to wrest this thing from their cold, dead hands. Right, but then again, <laughs> WND's not really doing anything with the property. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that they're not, they're just sitting on it, but ultimately they'd rather get, they want money from it, is what this sounds like. Yeah. They want their piece of the pie if Reading Rainbow is going to continue existing yes. in the public consciousness. And so anything and that LeVar does, yeah. they're going to continue to say that they own yeah. anything that has to do with or involvement with Reading Rainbow. Like, I, I mean, this podcast, it's funny that we keep doing this, uh, these legal cases, because it's like, I feel like we, we come, become armchair lawyers here. Yes. But it's like... <laughs> At the same time, it's like, I just want to just be like, come on, LeVar, just cut him. Cut him in on the deal. Like, cut him in on your your profit from whatever this kickstarted uh, uh, version of Rainbow is, and maybe they'll be happy with it. Just just tell them that they'll be involved, whether it just be like a little bit of the profits, and then this is over. Right, And then cut us in on the profits, then, because yes, we're giving you this legal advice. Care of uh, Media Boat Podcast, six... Anyways. <laughs> just, just just email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, gmail.com uh, and we'll give you uh, where you can send that check. Yep, yep. Uh, check or money order. Preferably cash. Uh, or, or just cold hard cash. Just show up on our doorstep, just... Drop off the suitcase. Yeah. Walk away. We'll know what to do. We'll know how to spend money better than you, okay? I mean, no, no, no. LeVar Burton, you know how to get to us. Yes. Anyways, Anyways. what else do we got? Yep. We got probably the biggest news coming out of today. Yeah. Disney. Actually, it was yesterday. Well, yeah. I was a little slow on the uptake. That's fine. Anyways, Disney making some streaming moves. And what could... Or at least planning. Planning to make, to some, make some streaming moves. And this could be good or bad. Okay, so here's the deal. If you recall, not even a year ago, Disney made a deal with Netflix for first-run streaming for their content. This included major, major stuff. Both their movies, Walt Disney Pictures movies, 
Pixar. Marvel movies. Pixar, Pixar Marvel, movies. And Star, Star Wars. Wars movies. So basically everything that matters in the Disney canon was going to be First Friends streaming on Netflix exclusively. Which is surprising because just last month that deal, the, we saw the big chunk of that deal come in the Rogue form of Rogue One being available on Netflix. Yeah. So we've had, and it's been a great 2017 because of it. Pretty much every major Disney release has already seen it's shown its face on Netflix. You have Rogue One. We yes. have Moana. You have Zootopia. Zootopia. The Jungle Book. Civil War. Civil War. You name it. Any major like blockbuster Disney release. Doctor Strange. The last year has been all Doctor been. Strange again. That's a good movie. That. But yeah, so t- now uh, yesterday we have an announcement from CEO Bob Iger yep. that that is no longer the plan, or at least it's not the plan. After this current contract is up, yep. which is the end of next year, uh, next next year, uh, twenty eighteen. So yeah, from what I read, Disney is going to remove all of their content from streaming services, including Netflix, but not only Netflix. It's important to note here that Hulu also has some Disney content on it as well. Uh, note uh, specifically some um, mid nineties. Well, some Disney XD content, but also mid-90s animated fare, like Hercules and uh, Pocahontas were right. on there for a while. And uh, all their sequels as well. Yeah, so so they will be removing all of their content from streaming services by the end of 2018, calendar year. Right, and this is because Disney will start its own streaming service yes. beginning in 2019. Um, Which I'm fairly yeah. certain we predicted on this very show... Probably over a year ago, before this Netflix deal was written. Right. Well, I don't think we predicted this exactly, but we just said, why don't they just put That's everything what into? Do. Well, yes. they should have just put everything in one, because Disney is a really huge catalog. It's a very good idea. Now, granted, this streaming service is only for Disney movies and Disney TV stuff. There's no word yet on whether it will include Pixar, Marvel, or Lucas. It will. Here's but there's predi- no reason it shouldn't. Yeah, here's my prediction for what this thing is. So you know how colloquially, colloquially, however you actually say that word, mm-hmm. we refer to, the fans refer to it as the Disney vault. When things go away, they go into the Disney vault. Yes. But there are things that are not in the Disney vault, whether it be Blu-ray releases, whether it be things on streaming, for example, and things readily available on television. This streaming service is just that. Except for probably exceptions that they make for, for example, Diamond or whatever they're at right now. Platinum, I forget what they're I think they're at Diamonds. Uh, 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 Blu-ray releases, which are super, super ex- exclusive. But for the most part, I think this is they should just use it for anything that is available as it is right now. Mm. For example, the catalog, the kind of thing that they have on Netflix, the kind of things they have on Hulu, the kind of things they have on Amazon and on television... Just put all that in one place, slap the Disney brand on it, include it for existing members of D23, mm-hmm. uh, include it for Disney, uh, existing members of the Disney uh, the, the Movie Club, whatever they call that thing. Oh, I'm part of that, actually. If they, you already have people who are subscribers to, uh, already paying into things, give it to them as a perk, and then also... Get new people $10 a month in this thing. And just brand it as, 
your one-stop shop for everything Disney and then cycle things out just as Netflix does and just say, well, this is moving into the Disney vault. You already have it in your branding to do this. Right, but here's the thing, though, that Netflix, the Netflix deal will still be in effect coming past whatever Disney decides to do with this. Because that deal says that they, that Netflix will see any major release up until including 2019. Meaning that you will still, Netflix will still get Avengers Infinity War, Avengers 4, uh, Black Panther, all the Marvel movies in between, as, as well as the next two Star Wars installments, Episode 8, and the Han Solo movie. It will, however, not include Episode 9. Uh-huh. Um, Disney uh, will use the streaming service of BAMTECH, which is currently used by the MLB streaming platform. <laughs> okay. And consider that they stream every game live on their website. And that, just take into account that, that one team does 182 games. Multiply that by every team. Yeah. <laughs> so they're pretty well established. Okay, they probably have a pretty good streaming service. That way, because, uh, hell, everyone's got to watch the game somehow. Yeah, that's true. So uh, Disney's actually put a 75% stake in that company by investing $1.5 billion <laughs> into them. Yeah. So safe to say that they're going headstrong into this. I mean, as they should. Uh, one of the things that I wrote in the story that I put up about this on MediaVotePodcast.com today is that it's a no-brainer, really. I mean, they're the biggest media company in the world. Of course they need, or one of them at least. Yes. And of course they need to get it. They wanted a piece of this pie. They're probably sitting back and watching Netflix. Regardless of what some uh, recent articles that we will not comment on say, Netflix is super successful. Yeah. And so... Uh, uh, Disney was probably just looking at this as like, sure, yes, we could help them become well, even bigger. Also, Netflix owns or, a stake in Hulu. Yeah. And uh, they, they made this deal with uh, Netflix as a way you said to... Dis- you said Netflix, but I think you mean Disney. Yeah, no. Yeah, I said Netflix. Yeah, yeah Disney made this deal with Netflix. No, no, before that. You said Netflix had a stake in Hulu. Oh, no, no, Disney has a stake in Hulu. <laughs> That'd be really funny if Netflix had a stake in no, Hulu. No, Disney has a stake in Hulu. <laughs> but... Yeah. The reason why Netflix made the deal with with Disney, rather Disney made the deal with Netflix, yeah. is because they were either one unsure of how to do streaming properly, or just wanted to see if streaming was going to stay and not be a fad. Yeah, I think it was it was important at the time because they were hedging their bets. Right, is I think what you're getting at. I think I think they needed to know that this was viable. And how it was viable in ways and what audiences mattered. Right, and while they're having these deals go on, they yeah. can collect data on who watches their stuff, um, how they watch it, how they stream it, how often they stream yeah. it, and like if they do new releases, are they going to get huge numbers in returns? And my guess is what they found out is yes, yes, and more yes, yeah. is that the Netflix stuff has probably been super successful for them, especially this first run stuff, and so they want to own it. Yep. They want to be the people who get all that revenue. Because why share the pie? Exactly. If you're Disney, why I share the pie? the pie? If you're Bob Iger, you want that pie. You want to eat that whole pie. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yep. I'm even shocked that it took them this long to say it. 
maybe because they wanted they didn't want to lose Netflix's potential partner. Right. Uh, well, right. As soon not as only now. that, but they're probably checking out different streaming services yeah. as to who, who could provide the best uh, content for them or yeah. the best. Um, Infrastructure. I think the really the only loser here is Netflix. Uh, they already suffered a big drop in uh, stock price today. Yep. Uh, because of this, so yeah, the only real loser here is I guess streaming services that aren't owned by Disney because they're going to lose out at this popular content because I'm sure Netflix was also quite uh, satisfied with the kind of uh, uh, numbers that the Disney stuff was probably doing. Well, not only that, but the big winner here. It's going to be ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that's going to happen with this deal, ESPN will come out the big winner in this thing because the, because not only are people not using the ESPN app to watch their stuff, now they have a dedicated okay. streaming service. You're it. being very presumptuous. Here. No, 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 no. I've, people don't, a lot of people don't use the ESPN watch app. No, no. I'm saying you're being presumptuous to assume... That they're going to even touch this thing. Oh, they are. Okay. Uh, Disney has said the company is will all will launch Disney will launch the streaming service exclusively for ESPN. Okay. Target to launch early next year with the promise of ten thousand live regional, national, and international games and events a year, including individual sports packages as well. Oh, okay. I didn't see any of this. Oh, see, I actually read the article. I did too, but we're probably talking about two different Probably. Articles. Anyways, yeah, the article I read was very, very short. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, um, that's actually maybe the, the secret bigger deal, because yes. this is finally them doing what we've been shouting at them to do for over a year now. Yes, is somehow save ESPN. I think they maybe finally are going to do it. Okay, we've spent a long time on this story, uh, so let's probably wrap this up. Okay, let's wrap this up by so, saying that... Yeah. This is going to be great for Disney. Yeah. This could be great for us as people. Yeah. But it could also be bad for consumers. And I really yeah. only say this is because if this thing goes as well as Disney wants it to be, expect other big companies to follow. And soon we may have multiple people paying different tier packages for different things. I mean, yeah, the, the, dark, tra- like the dark trail this could lead down is having to pay monthly fees for... What used to be networks on television, right? You, what the dark future here is? Oh well, do you have a subscription to Disney? Well, otherwise you can't watch the Disney movie. Oh, you do you have a subscription to the Warner Brothers? Well, you can't watch the new Lego movie, right? Or yeah, stuff like that. That could go dark, dark down, get dark really quickly, right? So, and we may already see this dark path coming as with our next story. It would be like cable television if you had to pay $10 a month per channel. Well, that's the thing, is that, is that with cable, everything was bundled. Like, yeah. you got all the Disney's channels, or you got all the, the yeah. scripts networks, you got all the Universal networks. But no. But the reason this is going down Dark Path is with this next story. Okay. CISO. Oh, yeah. The darkest. The darkest of timelines. <laughs> so, Literally. This so, case. CISO... Owned and operated by NBC Universal, will be selling off four of its original contents, yeah. including um, uh, because it's dying. Yes. I think we should get that get that across here because they're killing it. Yes, CISO so, will cease to exist. Yeah, so the mockumentary "Hidden America" with Jonah Ray. Yep, 
John Ray, also of the uh, Mystery Science Theater reboot. Yep, the animated series Cyanide and Happiness. Yep, uh, based on the webcomic of the same name. Yep, uh, the art, the role playing comedy Harmon Quest, which we've mentioned on this podcast before. Dan Dan Harmon's D and D podcast with celebrities. Yep, and McElroy's brother podcast adaptation. My brother, my brother, and me. Right, uh, McElroy's uh, uh, are uh, do a lot of content for video game website Polygon, but our guests are mostly famous for their podcasts. Yep. All being all four of those shows are being sold to Our Media, and more specifically, Our Media's okay. VRV streaming service. Yeah, that makes sense. By the way, we have VRV, or we have I, access to it. Definitely heard of that. I, I, I am aware of that brand. It's that yellow box when we go to Our right. Media. Definitely That's aware that of that brand. It's good that they found a home. Yeah. Uh, this move comes part of parent NBC Universal to wind down original programming at CISO. Yeah. Uh, Auto Media, uh, the joint venture between AT&T and Sherman Group, currently also operates Cun- Crunchyroll. Okay, yeah, that, 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 that anime series, that, uh, that fits uh, streaming that. service, uh, and we are restreaming through Elation. Um, this will now be a part of the new nine ninety nine bundle, which will include access to Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth, Nerdist, and five other streaming on demand services. Sure. Uh, plus add on services for CISO and Shutter. Okay. Uh, those are other, uh, basically, channels, you could say. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a bad group of stuff, really, if you're a certain kind of person. Yeah. And that's, that's a good deal for 10 that's bucks. not bad at all, no. But here comes why they're going to get rid of all that stuff on CISO. Okay. Uh, NBCU, uh, Universal is planning on making room on CISO... For other NBC-owned properties Got like it. SNL, Parks and Rec, Thirty okay. Rock, My Python Flying Circus, and so on and so forth. They want to make it a a depository place where they can just put all reruns. Yes. Got it. Because okay. right now, the only place you can see stuff like that is what was on Esquire. We know that close. They're killing Esquire, so they needed somewhere to put it. They're they're basically condensing <laughs> all of their outlets. Uh, for what would have been, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't know. Streaming, not, not streaming. Um, syndication. Syndication. <laughs> because syndication doesn't barely, ex- barely exist anymore. Right. Because yeah. why, why syndicate something when you just put directly online? Yeah, forever? something you own. Yeah. 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 So they're going to make CISO their syndicated network, essentially. Yeah. sure. And kill off everything else that would run, run them. I mean, that's basically all Esquire was doing, was just showing Parks and Rec reruns, so... Yeah. And BattleBots. <laughs> and BattleBots. So, yeah. I, this is, yeah. I, could, so, I guess, a potentially good move. Yeah, but here lies the problem in that if NBCU does this and change CISO to whatever NBC... NBC... Let's just call it NBC reruns. Yeah. <laughs> or NBC Classic, whatever. NBC Classic. We watch all your classic shows yeah. in one place. Uh, yeah, they, they just call it NBC Classic. Here comes the problem where you're paying ten dollars to NBC, ten dollars to Netflix, ten dollars yeah. to Disney. That's thirty dollars right there going uh-huh. to streaming services. Without and those none of those are live either. Yeah, those are all just streaming. If you want to go live on Hulu, even that's what extra twenty a month. If that I don't know what that is sitting at. It's probably twenty. Yeah. So that, there's fifty dollars right there just for entertainment value. Yeah, uh, but we're—I think we're getting closer and closer where that becomes the norm. I mean, that's still less than cable is. Right, it's still less than real. cable. Still less than cable. Yeah. 
But, yeah. I mean, if other, like you said, if other companies start doing this, like Warner Brothers or even like Legendary or whatever. Yeah. Turner. It could get real. Yeah, you get real big, real costly, real fast. Should they all decide to do this? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, Next. Good? Yep. All right, that brings us to our last story. Yeah. Okay, that's that's RuPaul. Oh, you okay, you recognize RuPaul? <laughs> yes, I recognize RuPaul. Okay. Kind of hard not to recognize RuPaul. Well, I was gonna put him in his getup, but RuPaul doesn't need no getup. RuPaul is the getup and go. <laughs> RuPaul is RuPaul. <laughs> All right, what what you got? Uh, so RuPaul is developing a half-hour dramedy series sure. project with a uh, J.J. Abrams Bad Robot for Hulu. Okay. Uh, tentatively titled Queen, it will be a fictionalized version of RuPaul's rise from club kid to drag queen, gay icon, and global star. Okay. It's being written by Power Executive Producer Gary Lennon and set in New York City during the 1980s Reagan area. Reagan area. Reagan era. <laughs> the Reagan area. Just that little Reagan area over there. <laughs> it's not that big. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, it'll be the same uh, format as eleven twenty two sixty six. Like a mini series. Sixty nine. Kind of yeah. Mini series. Uh, it's unless it gets picked up for for more series, but yeah. Okay. Cool. So look out for that uh, for those of you who have Hulu. If you want some Reagan in your life. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Oh, think so some some RuPaul in your is life involved. No, if you want some RuPaul in your life. All right, that brings us to our cancellations. Cancellations and renewals. Yep. So we have uh, Insecure uh, getting a third season at HBO, as well as Ballers getting a fourth season at HBO. Well, aren't you just yes. pleased as punch? Oh, yeah. Ballers coming back again. More Woo. Ballers. The Rock keeps earning money. It's, it's Ballers life. It is. Uh, we also have David Letterman getting a new talk show and comedy series. Okay. For Netflix. Uh-huh. Uh, this will be six episodes in 2018. Could potentially be more. Okay, cool. Uh, we also have Greenleaf getting a third season on Oprah Winfrey Net- Network. Mm-hmm. And then ABC has decided to renew the seasons of $100,000 Pyramid, Celebrity Family Feud, and Match Game. All those games come back. Yep. They're cheap to make. Yep. Cause none. Yep. So look for more games. From ABC. Cool. Uh, no word yet on the Gong Show. Yeah, it seemed like that was more of an event thing than it was a thing that we're going to sustain. Yeah. Uh, we also have Famous in Love gets a second season on Freeform. Okay. Will and Grace gets ten gets a tenth season. Right. This we- is ahead of its ninth season debut. Okay, so they already ordered another season of that thing? Yes. Oh, Lord. For NBC. Okay. okay. So, the, so the upcoming ninth season comeback... Uh-huh. And then another 10th season on top of that. Oh, man. They're going to hate it if it underperforms. <laughs> uh, we also have the Netflix uh, series that just premiered, Anne with an E, which is basically Anne of Green Gables. Right. Uh, that will get a second season. Okay. And Snowfall will get a second season on FX. More drugs. More drugs being passed around. Yep. Now uh, for our deceased. Okay. But us. Uh, we have Dick Locker, or Lo- Locher, Losher? Uh, sure. L- Losher. 
Uh, 88. The cartoon is for Dick Tracy. Okay. Uh, 88. Uh, next we have uh, Haruo Nakajima. Okay. Age 88. Japanese actor, best known for being in the suit of Godzilla. Yes, for the first handful of movies. Yes. He was also in Seven Samurai. Okay. We also have Barbara Cook, age 89. Singer-actress in uh, starred in The Music Man, Sondheim and Sondheim, and Candid. Candide. Yeah. Candide. Candide. Uh, then we have uh, two music desks. Right. Uh, two big ones. Yeah. We have Goldie McJohn. 72, founding member of Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. and Glenn Campbell, yep. age 81, uh, singer and actor, uh, won the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2012. The rhinestone in, cowboy himself. Yep. Uh, also starred in True Grit, the original yes, True Grit. the original True Grit. Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a specifically a sad one, because yeah, he, that man's a country legend. Yeah. Um, he was the one that you always... Brought out at the Country Music Awards ceremonies to be like, hey, look, Glenn Campbell's still alive. <laughs> and now they won't be able to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, he, he influenced, and in fact, it's probably a uh, understatement to say that he influenced a generation of country artists. He probably influenced three generations of country artists, let's be real. Um, so yeah, uh, that's definitely a loss in that community. Yeah. He will be missed, and his glittery, glittery, glitter, glittery, glittery rhinestone uh, uh, outfits. Was it glittery? It was very glittery. All right, moving on. Moving on to Video Games. Video James. Yes, Video James. We have a PS4 update coming soon. We do. Five Yep. Version five. Yep. The upcoming PS4 Pro update exclusive. Exclusive to the PS4 Pro. Fancy. Will allow owners to stream via Twitch at 1080p, 60 frames per second. Oh, damn. Um, for those of you who don't realize, that's big shit. <laughs> that's big talk. That is streaming up to Twitch. Not not streaming rather than watching it. That's streaming your gameplay yeah. natively. Of course. It's 1080, 60. You have to have internet that can handle that. Yeah. But if you do, then hey, cool. I think we do. We, do. we might. We might. <laughs> it's been kind of buggy as yeah, of like the past couple it days. Goes in and out, but yeah, PlayStation View took like freaking ten minutes to warm up this morning for me. Really? I just had to put the controller down and wait for it to figure it out for it to start playing something. Huh. And I was like, this sucks. But I don't know if it was View. I think it was they were working on something briefly and yeah, messed up with my coverage. But yeah, uh, updates are always fun. That'll be cool. Uh, That's the big one. Other changes include an overhaul of the master and sub account system, uh, the ability to follow (laughs) dirty, the ability to follow any user. (laughs) Okay. And the addition of notifications on the PS4's quick menu. Cool. Uh, Basically, that sidebar. Right. Uh, You can already uh, use a PS4 Pro for 1080p remote play and chair play. Uh, the upcoming update will allow you to follow anyone's account similar to what they do on Xbox One. Yeah. And there's no current release date for this 5.0 firmware, but it is expected to be launched in the near future alongside the refreshed PlayStation app. Oh, yeah, cool. So when that happens, most... It, it was likely, likely hit. Yep. 
Cool. Uh, most likely it will hit within the next month. Uh, other news. We have uh, Valve. Currently they're running Dota. International Championship. The International 7 is happening right now. Yep. And because they're running, they decided to tease a new game they've been working on. Yeah, so there was a <laughs> mad dash for like 10, 20 minutes on the internet between when they said that they were going to announce a new Valve game and when they actually announced that new Valve game. I really <laughs> thought, I was like, oh, it's going to be like Left 4 Dead. It's going to be Half-Life. What's it going to be, guys? And what is it? Show me what they got. They announced an artifact. Well, the name of the game is Artifact. And what is Ar- Artifact? Artifact is a Dota 2 card game. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense because they're Dota 2 championships. <laughs> so it's a collectible card game. Uh, think Hearthstone. Think uh, uh, whatever the hell that Bethesda one is. Um, Scrolls one. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's them doing that. So if you like collectible card games, uh, digital collectible card games, I should note, uh, like Hearthstone, I guess, cool? Yep. Uh, well, there's some details that came out about it, an uh, article I found. So there will be three game boards that represent the lanes. Uh, if you know what Dota 2 is and you know what I'm talking about, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. If you don't know, this is going to go right over your head. Because okay. that... This is going to go right over your okay, head. Okay, I'm ready. I've got, I got plenty of air above my head. Let's let's do it. On and in your head. Yep. Uh, sure. There will be three game boards that represent the lanes. You control five heroes, just like in Dota. Uh, you can equip item cards onto the heroes uh, that you buy with gold. There are creeps that spawn every turn. You can play creature and cards. And play Dota. You can play creature cards. <laughs> Uh, some cards are cast on the lane and have persistent effects on the lane. Each hero has abilities like their Dota counterpart. And that's all we have. More info will come sometime after the tournament, uh, which is happening this weekend. But sure. that's all That's all they, they said. They basically want to keep the focus on the tournament for now and that any more information will come afterwards. I mean, generally speaking, I feel like you by hearing that, you probably know whether this is something that you will want to do or something that you will not want to do. So there you go. <laughs> and if you were disappointed by that, I feel you. Yeah. So that's also Valve. That's yeah. Valve's Steam logo. Yeah. So what's well, up with Steam? You remember last about a month ago... About a month and a half ago, we mentioned about Steam Direct. Yeah. How developers could directly publish their games uh, without having going by paying a fee, a dollar fee, and then not having to go through specifically uh, Valve's or rather Steam communities like approval right. and all this other stuff. Well, we got some numbers on that finally. Okay, give me the numbers. So, uh,. So the fee, so the hundred dollar fee launched uh, Steam Direct launched about seven weeks ago. Since its launch, over one thousand games, new games have uh, premiered on Steam over those seven weeks. Seven hundred thirty of them coming within the last four weeks, and two hundred fifteen of them coming within the last week itself. Oh wow! Uh, this is good news for developers uh, getting the games out there in the marketplace, uh, as they no longer have to wait. It's just when you're done. Yeah, it's it direct. 
It just it's happens. Crazy. And because they no longer because of this, you just see a huge influx of new games, which is great for anyone looking to play new stuff. It's not great if you're a reviewer and all of a sudden you got a thousand games in a month. <laughs> yeah, but then again, any website that's uh, any website that's still trying to review every game is insane. Yeah, uh, it's just we're living in a universe where that just isn't possible. Anymore. Right now, we do not need user reviews. Yeah, user reviews or a combination of user reviews and curated content, maybe more focused sites that are covering a certain kind of game, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So that, that that's so it's news. working. Is what it's working. It yeah, like, which is good news because I remember thinking that that was a good concept when they announced it, and I was hoping that it was going to work. And it seems good, uh, good so far. Well, not so. only that, but that's basically a hundred thousand dollars influx of money just yeah. straight to Valve. So it'd be working. That's good. All right, good, good, good decision deal. Good, 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 good. All right, now let's talk about what we all want to talk about. Winter Olympics. Yes. Still happening. They are still happening next year. Yes. Uh, but what, what we're going to talk about now is esports in the Olympics. Ooh, yes. So, uh, as we announced last week, and while it's still technically unconfirmed until next month when the IOC meets in Lima, Peru to officially award the games, uh-huh. Paris is going to be the next uh, the next uh, city host. Yeah. Uh, in 2024. Right. That being said, Paris is considering esports joining the 2024 program. Okay, I'm going to stop you real quick. I want to put italics. I want to make considering italicized because I want to emphasize that this is not likely, number one, and number two, don't get too excited. (laughs) Okay, continue. All right. So, uh, Tony Estange. Okay. Uh, it's called Tony. Mis- Mr. Yeah. Tony. Mr. Tony. Uh, co-president of the Paris Olympic Bid Committee has told the Associated Press that he will hold talks with esports representatives and the International Olympic Committee. It will already become a full sport by the 2022 edition of the uh, Olympic Asian Games, as we previously covered. Right, as we covered. But those were the Asian Games, yeah. not the International Olympic Games. Right, so that only is a segment of what counts. Right. Uh, Tony believes that a contest of digital prowess should be considered a legitimate sport if the Olympics is to maintain its relevance for new generations of fans. Quote, I don't want to say no from the beginning, but... I think it's interesting to interact with the IOC, with them, the esports family, to better understand what the process is and why it is such a success. Yeah. So, they're having talks within the next year. Right. About whether or not to consider it for their programming. Now, they could still, uh, like what the Asian Games did, is have an exhibition... For it and say, hey, this may work. Let's see how that goes. 
but, but as for it being an official event of the program, they need to make a decision on that with all the rules by 2019. Yeah. If it's going to be on the program. Which means 2018 is going to become a huge year for esports. Yeah. Not only in terms of tournaments going around the world, including Overwatch and Dota 2 and everything else. Or, what was it, um, Evo? Saw that being played on ESPN. Yeah. But also, in terms of it being an Olympic sport for Olympic athletes. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's good that they're having talks. I think that's how you discuss, like, learning, sitting down with players, sitting down with uh, teams, like, the companies that run these events. Like, I think that's going to be beneficial for them to, like they said, get an idea about what the process is. Why the people who believe it's legitimate, think it's legitimate, and, like, get that across to the IOC. That's important. I'm glad that's happening. Mm-hmm. But... That being said... Just a reminder. Chess is not an Olympic sport. Currently. Right. So, I think that the leap that you would have to make here to bypass games into video games... I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a comfortable leap I'm ready to make. I understand that, yes, a lot of work does go into esports. I get that. Soccer is a game, and that's an Olympic event. But if you can... Softball is a game, and that was an Olympic event. I mean, it all goes... It all boils down, ultimately, to what you regard as athletic prowess. Right. Do you regard athletic prowess as the mind games? Do you... Like, like what's the important thing about soccer? Is it the strategy of soccer? Is it the, the plays being made? Or is it the athleticism, the people moving, the people doing the acts, the feats, the impressive things on the field. Have you seen a StarCraft 2 player and how they move on the keyboard? Okay, that's fair. And, and, yeah. and good. And again, this is why they're having these talks. Right. Because that's the problem they need to solve. Right. The problem they need to solve is, is whether those two things are, whether the, the kind of skills that are applied in esports is applicable to what we believe athleticism truly is in an Olympic sense. And not only that, but even if they get past that, then they have to decide what game yeah. should be considered Olympic That's sports. That's the other problem. There's not esports isn't just a sport. Esports is several things. You got They would have to then, then determine what esports matter. Right. What esport do we like? What is the esport? There isn't one. Or do you have to be just good at all esports? Right. Is it like a decathlon kind of thing? Are we doing ten games in a row? Do they have to be good at StarCraft, Dota, and Overwatch? Is that where we're going? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's the, like the shooter it, strategy and <laughs> I mean, rhythm. That's actually me just kind of spitballing there. Actually, came up with a pretty good three games. But that being said, yeah. though. You're not necessarily going to have somebody who's Shooter, good at all strategy, of rhythm, and speed. Sure. Just speed runs. Yeah. yeah. Speed runs. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> no, so it's, there's a lot of tricky things to figure out, mm-hmm. and that's why I think we're probably further out than even a year. I think that if esports are going to be an Olympic sport, it's going to take, I would say, five plus years. Then that would, if what you're saying is, if what you're saying is five plus years, that would put it at the 2028 game yeah. program. LA, maybe. LA. Maybe. And that's a big maybe even for me. Like, I just, I for some reason, Matt, even though it's give, gathering legitimacy here in the U.S. and internationally in smaller circuits, Matt, 
I don't see it gathering that much legitimacy that fast. When they, at the end of the Rio games, when they were handed the torch... I know, Mario to, to, showed to, up. To, to Japan, Mario. But who showed up? Here's the difference. Here's the difference between... Who both. showed up? Mario okay. is a cultural icon that is identified beyond just video games. That is very different. That is Japan saying, this is a, something that we as a culture created that we are proud of that is representative of us as a culture. And that's why we're showing it on this world stage. That is very, very different from this is a, a sport that we believe should be competed in. Those are two very different things. Mario is not just a video game character. He is a video game character, but he's not just a video game character. He is literally Japanese culture at this point. That's the difference. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> you do where I was going with that. You're going. No, not in this case. It's still be interesting to see and if it happens. Everyone knows that the true eSport is... Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. <laughs> so, this has already been decided. They're going to play Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games at the Olympic Games. <laughs> Game over. All right. No, 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 Smash Brothers tournament? No Smash Brothers. <laughs> no, no wheeling ass big CRTVs? No, it, no, they'll do Smash Brothers, but no items, Fox only, Final Destination. All right, let's move on. It's the truest Olympic sport. No, no, it's four Kirby's. Come on. No, no, no. Fox only. No items. Final destination. All right. Uh, I'll bring this to our last topic here. Real briefly, for yeah. those of you who still own an Xbox One and have a Spotify account. A large portion of the world, probably. They, they have now married the two, and you can, just like the PS4 has for a yes. while now, play music. While you're playing your game, It's pretty cool. I'm glad that Xbox has it now. I'm especially glad because I just jumped back into Sunset Overdrive. And it'll be freaking awesome to play Sunset Overdrive with my Spotify playlists. Yeah. So I'm on board. But yeah, it uh, sounds like the app, uh, which is live now, so go download it, um, will work just like the PS4 one. So it will have background play. One of the things that sucked about the Groove Music app is that you needed to have it snapped. Right. Uh, That's what I have here. Is that, does this mean the end of groove music? <laughs> well, so yes and no. I think I think they're gonna stick. It's gonna stick around. Uh, Sony killed their priority. So, 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 Sony S O E. Yeah, but that's but I don't think that it was making them much money anyways. Right. I think Groove will probably stick around for the Windows Ten audience. Okay. But I don't see it. Uh, see it sticking around on Xbox. Maybe they just needed a Xbox solution and no one was using Groove on the Xbox. Maybe. Regardless, it's good news for everybody because Spotify is the most popular streaming music service, so there's bound to be Xbox One owners who will be happy by this. Yep. So cool. So cool. Cool, cool, cool. And that brings us to Speaking the of music, billboard. Speaking, Speaking of, of Spotify, music. that brings yeah. us to music. I yep. did not launch this because I was talking about stuff this time. Yeah, so... So yeah. Let's uh, uh, also, out. with the Spotify app, yeah, you don't need Spotify Premium to play the music. Right, you can. You You'll still it. get ads though. Yeah, you can use it. The ad version. You don't even need to be gold to use it. Um, so right. that. But yeah, we recommend Spotify Premium. It's good. It's good investment for good investment. all the music that you have. Okay, uh, moving on have. to music. Billboard. And we have our Billboard Hot 100. Hot 100 is of course the singles chart, and man, number one song is still Despacito. That's Luis Fonzi, Daddy Yankee, featuring Justin Bieber. Still, another week at number one. Number two, Wild Thoughts, DJ 
Khaled featuring what Rihanna and Bryce Tiller. Debuting at number three this week, Unforgettable by French Montana featuring Sway Lee. Number four, That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. And number five, Believer by Imagine Dragons. Hey, imagine those dragons. I can't, but you can. No more 200 album chart is loading, but I know your number one album this Should week. Should be 4x4x4? Four by four by four? No. Oh, no. no. Debuting at number one this week is none other than Everything Now by Arcade Fire. Really? Yes. Even Nabbit. though it got, even though it was critically panned, doesn't matter. People bought it, and they're streaming it. And you're not loading it. And it's it. not loading it. Are you sure? Are you sure? The, I hate freaking Billboard website. Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's your number one album this week. I know that much. Uh, <laughs> as I struggle. Here, should load it. Okay, here we go. Yes, everything now by Arcade Fire is number one, debuting this week. Number two, damn, Kendrick Lamar moving damn. back up. Moving back up the charts. Uh, number three, Wins and Losses by Meek Mill. Second week in the chart. Number four, Grateful by DJ Khaled. And rounding up your top five, 444 by Jay-Z. Uh, where's Moana at? Is it still up there? Uh, Weekly Moana Watch. I know, it came back. Scroll, scroll. Number 14, moving up a little further. Hey, still in the 20. So yeah, uh, good for Arcade Fire, I guess. Uh, Nabbing that number one spot, I want to say that's their second number one record. I believe Reflector also hit number one back in 2013. Okay. So that's your billboard for the week. What do we have in music news? Music news? M and M's. I love crispy M and M's. Let's talk about crispy M and M's. No, no, they got that new one. Caramel. Yeah, I tried the caramel M and M's. It sounds pretty good. I like a caramel chocolate. I like David Cross's voice though. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I don't know. It's funny to me. Just a straight up cube of car. Anyways, (laughs) uh, let's talk about M and M. The rappers. Yes, M and M. The rappers are coming different colors. But there's still chocolate Neither on the inside. The he comes in one color and he's white. Yeah, but he's still chocolatey on the inside. Uh, uh, no, let's not go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eminem is reportedly set to release his ninth studio album. Gross. <laughs> later this year. What? Did you listen to Marshall Mathers LP 2? The thing sucked. Well, that was his last album, uh, yeah. which was uh, released in 2013. Nope. Uh, last thing I listened to was, I think, Recovery. Well, you you saved yourself some pain. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Probably. Things bad. Uh, yep. Uh, last year, she dropped a campaign speech, which was an anti-Trump freestyle. Right. Released during the U.S. elections. Uh, in addition to this, Eminem is also set to produce a new comedy movie called Bodied, which follows the story of a university student... That writes a controversial thesis. Okay. On the rap battle scene. All right, sure. Because of course it does. Because of course it is. <laughs> Has to do something with rap, right? <laughs> yeah, it's called Mom's Spaghetti. No, it's called Bodied. No, no I mean, it's the thesis. Uh, thesis. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he will also headline Reading Elite Festival at the end of August, where sure. he should debut some new material. Probably. Oh, yeah, and probably get a release date for that record. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess Eminem. Uh, Eminem coming a- around. AKA the best-selling artist of the 2000s. 
just a reminder, that man sold more records in the ten, in the ten years of the two thousands than any literal other person. Rightly so. Eh. Moving on <laughs> to, to, to eh. this person. Okay, you're gonna have to tell me who that is. Uh, that is none other than Irish singer songwriter. Sinead O'Connor. Oh, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, she's not doing too hot. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so she posted a video to her Facebook page on Thursday detailing her recent struggles with mental illness from a motel in what she described as, quote, the ass end of the Jersey. Yeah. Uh, she has a really bad Irish accent. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> Almost as bad as her health. Oh, no. Come on. Uh, she is currently staying at the Travel Lodge Motel in Hackensack. Uh, while undergoing psychiatric treatment for three mental illnesses. In her 12-minute video, she laments the fact that she is alone and has been abandoned by her family. uh, O'Connor has been suffering from bipolar disorder and has threatened suicide before and also discusses the separation from her youngest two children, Shane and Yesha. I guess Yeshua. Uh, she also says that due to her mental illness, no one validates her feelings and treats her unfairly. Mm. Well, that's rough. Um, but it seems like she is getting help and she's seeking it. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully hope they're able to work with her and hopefully she gets better. Because, yeah, that's lousy. Yeah. Hopefully she gets better. I yeah. mean, she should be in a right place. I mean, she is seeking help at least, which is good. Yeah, again, yeah. Yeah. That's important. Moving on. Moving on. What do we got? That's the boss. Oh, Mr. Springsteen. Uh, Mr. Springsteen is indeed him. Yes. <laughs> not, not his fault. Yes. Uh, Mr. Springsteen, or Bruce, as you will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're nasty. Mr. Boss. That's <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Boss. Will make his Broadway debut. Okay. With an eight-week solo show at the, get this, 960 seat. Wow. The, uh, Walter Kerr Theater. Okay. Less than a thousand people. Sure. Crammed in a room. It's intimate. With Bruce Springsteen. And he, uh, that is actually on purpose, has the show, as he put it, will loosely follow the arc of his life and his work with a mix of spoken word and music. Oh, cool. Uh, Quote, my show is just me, the guitar, the piano, and the words and music. I wanted to do some shows that were as personal and as intimate as possible. Being uh, dubbed Springsteen on Broadway uh, will officially open on October 12th with a preview starting October 3rd and five nights a week he'll perform through November 26th. Tickets will go on sale August 30th at 10 a.m. exclusively through Ticketmaster. Oh, okay. All right. This is where it gets dark. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Ticketmaster Verified Fan. Okay. Which is uh, which is their own technology used to 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 bypass bots that t- that typically uh, scoop yeah. up seats uh, to highly anticipated shows. Got it. So before you can even so I actually looked up what that thing was. Yeah. Uh, verified Fan. 
And what is that? You have to register your email uh-huh. to Ticketmaster ahead of time again and ahead of time, yeah. saying that you're a verified fan and you're going to purchase these tickets at this date. Okay, that's probably smart. That they and have they, that. they limit the number of tickets per fan. Okay. Yeah, that's that's tricky because as much as I am glad that Ticketmaster is doing uh, work to to uh, get, kind of get the scalpers. Yeah, cure the bots. They still kind of suck as a company. Oh, yeah. I wish they didn't have the, the fees that they do. But, hey, what you going to do? Yeah. I, I guess you, can, you, you, you can't fight all fires at once. No, but you definitely put some out. Yep. One at a time. But, yeah, that sounds like a cool show for uh, Springsteen fans. And there are a lot of Springsteen fans. Oh, yeah. And Ann is beloved. I mean, the, the guy did do a four-hour show yeah. plus show in New York yeah. last year. Yeah, uh, yeah, that man. He, he, he's a hard-working dude. You could say that he's the boss. He, you could say that. He is the boss, yes. All right, and that brings us to our last story of the day. Okay. A rather, um, that's a pleasant one. Sure. As Nathaniel Glover, man right there. Sure. A.K.A. Kid Creel, an all-hour kid at 57. Yeah. Founding member of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five was charged on Wednesday in the stabbing death of a homeless man in, in, in New York City. Yeah. He was arrested Tuesday after reportedly getting into an argument and then repeatedly stabbed the man in the torso. Uh, they spotted Glover on surveillance cameras near the scene and charged him with second-degree murder. Uh, while he is currently charged, the, um, the sentencing won't be done for another week. He could get up uh, the second the offense of second degree carries with it a life sentence, a maximum life oh, sentence. Okay. Yeah, well, that's pretty brutal. I mean, yeah. not the sentence, what he did. Oh yeah, but also the sentence. Also the still, sentence. <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a downer for dope. But let's end on a high note. Did any reviews? Uh, any thoughts? No. Uh, no music this week. Um, I thought you were listening to Arcade Fire. That was last week. I already uh, talked about it. Oh, yeah. You're really behind. Oh, yeah. You know, this was a pretty slow week. I, when I was doing new releases, I realized how slow of a week this week was. Mm-hmm. There's like nothing. Nothing came out this week. I mean, besides, of course, Dark Tower. But like, Dark Tower is the highlight. Like... If you want to call that a highlight, uh, we didn't talk about it in TV. But Thursday is the uh, the uh, NBC special uh, weekend update. Not on the weekend. Oh, does that start Thursday? Thursday night. Uh, so that's tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that will be on NBC, I believe, at eight. Actually, don't know when they're airing that. Uh, but yeah, uh, so tune into that, I guess. But really, there's a super slow week. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see if next week has more exciting things. Um, I do want to know in music you did not we did not talk about new releases. We did not? Did you not gather them? No, 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 I gathered them. Then we can uh, do that to wrap up the podcast. Why not? Let's talk about uh, this week in music. New releases. We have David Rawlings with Poor David's Almanac. Okay. We have Downtown Boys with Cost of Living. Yes, that's uh, uh, I already have heard this. It's streaming on NPR uh, ahead of release and it's probably one of the best albums of the year. I'm going to say it right here. That is freaking good. We have Frankie Rose with Gage Tropical. Kesha has a new album dropping, Rainbow. We have One One Authors 
with uh, Wanothric's Point Never? Yeah, I, I've never known really how to pronounce that. I've heard of them, but I don't know how to okay. pronounce the name. Uh, with The Good Time, <laughs> we have Paul Kelly with Life is Fine. Uh, so Much Light with Oh, Yuck! <laughs> and The Cribs with 24-7 Rockstar Shit. Yeah! 24-7 Rockstar. Okay. Uh, in, in reality, so yes. Uh, Downtown Boys? I'll be listening more of that Downtown Boys record. I will I will listen to the Kesha record. Yeah, I'll probably listen to that Kesha record yeah, too. Yeah, I'm curious yeah, about it, Rainbow. Just considering what's happened to her the past yeah. year. Gee, uh, yeah. This is, uh, if this is her time to come back, this is... Uh, I'm really interested in what it sounds like. Yep. Okay, uh, so yeah, I guess that's now we can wrap up. Yep, now we can wrap up uh, Media Podcast. So if you like us, and I, but I mean, who wouldn't, really? Uh, we're, we're, we're very likable people. We're, we're likable. If you like this podcast, if you want to see more of it, hear more of it, guess what? You. Yes, you. You can help us out. Patreon.com slash MediaBoat. Go there or go to the very, very bottom of our website, MediaBoatPodcast.com. You can donate as little as a dollar a month, and that will help us make even more content and improve the content we already make. So if you want to see, for example, even better version of this podcast, toss in a dollar or more. We, we won't frown upon more either. A uh, dollar a month will also give you exclusive content just for people who donate. So that's pretty cool too. You can see all our news stories, features, and this podcast itself on MediaBoatPodcast.com, along with exclusive thoughts about things we don't have time to cover on the show, including Mike's uh, thoughts about Last Chance You, uh, which also went up on our website this week. Uh, so, that's MediaBoatPodcast.com. You can follow us on social media as well. We're all over the Twitter, uh, at MediaBoatCast. We're all over Facebook, MediaBoatPodcast there. You can uh, comment on us there as well. You can find the audio version of our podcast on iTunes. Just search Media Boat Podcast. And you can find us uh, on twitch.tv slash Media Boat Podcast, uh, I think, or just Media Boat, um, if you want to see us stream the occasional video game or two. And of course, YouTube, where you can find us, Media Boat Podcast, uh, uh, streaming this very live show every Wednesday night around 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, or for whatever else uh, random stream you would do in the future. So, that will do it. Tune in next week on Wednesday night for another episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Yep, uh, that wraps up. So, that wraps up. We'll see you guys next week. Yep, bye. Bye.